episode 119, Why Have a Podcast and a Book? It's no secret. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Tyson Franklin's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back. Mid-April, did you get your taxes done on time? Well, hopefully you planned ahead and aren't surprised by a tax bill. Remember, get a good accountant. They can save you money. I want to start off this episode with a review that we got. So take a quick listen. David McCarrion said, If everybody in the chiropractic profession had, and I'm not blowing smoke, had your mindset, your critical thinking mindset, we would not be in trouble. We would be seeing 30% of the population right now. So... so press on what you're doing. Uh, Heather Dennison said, I think you do a great job. And you're the only person I know who asks about personal life. And it's so charming for people to let people want to know about that. So I think that piece of it is great. Thanks so much for those kind words. Love hearing it. Reminds me why I'm doing this. Well, guess what? Episode 119 through 124, maybe 125, we'll see, is our podiatrist series. Now, we've had a couple of podiatrists throughout the program, but now we're going to have someone from the UK, Australia, a few from America. We're going to have sports podiatrists, a guy that pretty much created a shoe, wound type, medispa, and even like podiatry practice management. I just really enjoy doing these little mini series or full series, however you want to call it, but just a nice four to six week concentration on different aspects of the same profession. It really, so far, it's opened my eyes. You know, I know what's coming up. And sometimes I'm in the middle of an interview and I'm like, wait, y'all can do that? Huh. So hopefully you have the same revelation. We have some really good family tips throughout the series as well as, you know, vacation tips and everything in between. You know, I always say, listen, learn and integrate what you hear. And to start it off, we have got Dr. Tyson Franklin from Australia. He has this It's No Secret franchise, if you will. He's got a great backstory. He had a really profitable podiatry clinic. He's someone that's, you know, you always hear, find out what you're good at and do it. Well, he was able to end up doing that. And he has a circumstance of kind of like why he had to. And, and he wrote a book. He's like, he got all these good ideas and I'm successful. So he wrote a book. It's no secret about podiatry. And then he wrote another one about business and, and how he has a podcast that's uh, quite good. It's kind of similar to mine, except it's not really about doctors per se, but just regular people mostly. And they're talking about business management skills and marketing and things like that. That's what I said, kind of similar. And he just started another one called Podiatry Legends. And he's like, man, the niche is really important. So we kind of go, we geek out a little bit on the differences between a specific podcast and book versus a a more general. But uh, his big thing was orthotics. So we're going to discuss that. Uh, He's got a really good tip about a job that you should have, like say through high school and college, based on the profession that you want to have. We go through creating an avatar for an ideal client. And then how to effectively do a survey to get like a 95% return rate. What? I know. And we'll also talk about uh, why he created an add-on service of selling shoes, like a real shoe store, separate but kind of close to his uh, podiatry clinic. So one last thing. I found an awesome service, thanks to Facebook groups, that can transcribe these episodes without costing a fortune. So uh, it's a slower process right now. I'm debating on what to do. But the top 10 of 2018 have been done. Then I'm going to work on the top 2017 and then kind of fill it in. So the point being, you will find that over the next two or three months, all the shows will be transcribed and you just got to go to the show notes page, click a box on the very bottom. It'll open it up and you can uh, read through it, whatever you want. So I'm pumped about that. Okay. All the show notes on this episode can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 119. 
Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Kane's Australia. Today on the show, we've got the It's No Secret guy. Because he's got a podcast. It's a book. It's, got this, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But he's a podiatrist. He has a walk right footwear company. He's been in business for a long time. He's a problem solver. He's a mental strategist. And I'm really excited to have him on because his podcast is really quite good. You'll learn a lot. So please welcome Dr. Tyson Franklin. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? This is good. This is good to be on here. And I must admit, every time I sit back and uh, someone puts together the introduction, even I get excited about what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Especially if you don't provide a, a background. You're like, all right, let's see what they're going to say. Well, yeah. And the other part, too, I think if like I've been on a, a few podcasts, and I think if people listen to a lot of my podcasts, if they've heard ones before, rarely do I say the same thing twice. See, that's a good thing. When I'm invited, sometimes I feel like the story is similar. So I'm like trying to, all right, what's a different story? that wasn't a different angle this time. So if they do listen to another one, they're like, oh, it's the same story. It's like, no, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. But the core is the core, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, sometimes. Like if somebody asks me a question about, yeah, marketing, I go, okay, boom, boom, boom. I've got a few things about marketing that I always talk about. But it's, I don't know, it's the tone of the show and it's the person that you're with. I think the host, they, they bring out di- – well, I think different hosts should bring out different things from the guest. Agreed. Which brings me to the – you know, you don't have to take too much time on this one, but podiatry, you know, when you're a younger man, you decided to do that. What made you do that? And then if you want to transition into uh, what brought along a podcast and then now the uh, Podiatry Legends podcast where you just interview pod- podiatrists, I want to talk about, too, this this footwear company because that's something that actually intrigues me a little bit. All right. So, um We'll let you sort of take over and, and fill in the details. Okay. Um, well, same thing. You finish high school in Australia and you've got to go and choose a career. So at 17, you know, you're really wise. You have no idea what you want to do. So I I was going to be an art teacher of all things. And my brother was doing dentistry. And he said, I oh, said, so what are you doing when you finish school? I said, I'm going to be an art teacher. And he said, uh, you're kidding me, aren't you? I said, no, why? He said, well... <laughs> He said, I'm not supporting you. <laughs> I know. He said, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what he was saying. Yeah, okay, I'm going to be a rich dentist. You're going to be a poor art teacher. You're going to be hitting me up for money all the time to buy paint. Eventually, you're going to annoy me. We'll stop talking. Why don't we just stop talking now and save ourselves a lot of time? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'll have a Porsche. I'll have a Volkswagen. And we sort of had a bit of a chuckle about it. So next day, I went and saw my art teacher. And I said, oh, I've got a question for you. What sort of car do you drive? She went, Volkswagen, why? And I went, oh. No, and, it's and, true. And I, and I told her what my brother said, and she went, look, Tyson, you're smart enough to go and do whatever you like. You can always do art as a hobby. You know, do it in your spare time, and you'll always enjoy it. I went, oh, okay. So then I sat down with my brother, and I said, okay, here's my proviso. I, I don't mind doing something in the health industry, but I want something where no one ever dies and everything can wait till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I said, because I don't want to be called out after hours and I don't want to be on call. and Yeah, just all that sort of stuff that went with health industry. And I don't, and I don't like dealing with people who are in pain. And so we narrowed it down to optometry, podiatry, and I think it was radiography. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, I want to work for myself. So it came down to optometry and podiatry. And, and I went, I don't think I could sit in a room all day saying, does that look better or does that look better? That one or that one? Left. That was my story too, by the All way. Right. Yeah, so so that's how podiatry came about. And it was just one of those things too that a friend that I went through school with from grade 1 through to grade 12, so we spent our whole lives together, um, I went back and repeated grade 12. Because I was going to be an art teacher, that, they're all the subjects that I did. Oh, no. So I went back and repeated grade 12 and 
dropped art and did physics, did all the math subjects, chemistry. And the principal's going, hang on, usually people drop physics and do art, but no one ever does it the other way around. And I went, well, I've worked out I want to be a podiatrist now. Well, I worked out I want to do something in the health industry So, because I was still deciding then what I was going to do. But then this friend of mine came up to school and I said, say, so, Lyndon, what did you end up doing? And he said, oh, podiatry. I went, huh, that's interesting. What's, What's that? that? <laughs> and he said, feet. And I said, oh, I'll be buggered. There's a course <laughs> on feet. He said, yeah. And I said, amazing. And he said, you know what? He said, you would actually be really, really good at this. And I said, why? And he said, there's this debate about is podiatry a science or an art form? Hmm. And I went, oh, that's interesting. I said, well, in what context? He said, oh, we make these things called orthotics. These are things that, you know, orthoses that go into shoes and they control people's feet. He goes, absolute buggers to make. He said, but if you've got a really good hand-eye coordination, can see things in 3D, he said, I reckon your art background, you would just thrive with these things. That's what got me into podiatry. And that was my favorite part of podiatry. And I was pro probably the thing I was the best at was actually making inserts, getting on grinders, grinding things, making shapes. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I sort of ended up in podiatry in the first place. So, yeah, no foot fetishes or anything like that. That came later. <laughs> Um. <laughs> when they come in green, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the smellier, the better. Yeah. My goodness. Okay. So as a chiropractor, we do orthotics. You know, I mean, we, everybody can kind of dabble in what you guys do, unfortunately. Like, they, yeah. there's so many companies out there that stand on this scanner, stand on this mold. Boom, you've got something. You send it yeah. off. 300 bucks later, you got a pair of custom orthotics. There's a debate. That, you know, podiatries only prescribe these really rigid shoe inserts and that's all they do. But a physio, Cairo wants one that can actually give some uh, some spring in that arch and, and support the tissues in there and not be so rigid and stuff like that. Is that true? Um, no. I mean, that's the most stereotypical well, comment right there, I guess. Yeah, no, no. D perfectly uh, legitimate comments, too. Because when I first learned to make orthotics for to go into shoes, they were all made from rigid plastics, uh, yeah, roado, polypropylene. Um, yeah, they were hard plastics. The, the thinking behind it was, oh, if something's hard, it must be uncomfortable. So, and if something's soft, therefore it must be more comfortable and better for you. So, the firmer the material, the more you can control what a foot does. But I remember someone once they had a pair of soft inserts there, and I said, oh, hey, okay, give them to me. I put them in the other shoes. Yeah, put the left one on the right shoe and the right one on the left shoe. I said, try them on now. And they went, oh, well, that's ridiculous. They're really uncomfortable. And I said, oh, but they're soft. Yeah. I said, so, and then I, that we had some harder ones there. And I, anyway, but yeah, I transitioned away from harder plastics because I moved into EVA, which is, yeah, the same sort of materials that athletic shoes are made from mm -hmm. because they came in all these varying densities, yeah, really soft, like EVA 190 up to EVA 400, which is like as hard as a rock. So depending on the body weight of the person, you could choose the density depending on whether the person had a rear foot problem, forefoot problem, then that helped you choose what material you're going to do because it would change the way that you were going to angle the foot. So there was a lot more there was a lot more to it. So I was glad I moved away from the hard the best thing about moving away from the hard plastics was you didn't get those comments, oh, won't they be hard because it's hard plastic? But you could hurt someone just as much using soft materials and putting it in the wrong spot as using hard materials and putting it in the right spot. And I like what you mentioned, especially Australia might be like America. There's a bunch of obese people running around and, you know, they have hip, they got knee, they got feet problems. And if you, a lot of these orthotics, they're not that, uh, 
the weight of the person isn't factored into what they give you. It's just, this is all we have. We've got, you can put an arch, you can put this, but that's it. I like what you're talking about. You actually can change the density oh, to yeah. support that extra weight and was, still have the support. And that was really important because if you've got someone who was, um, yeah, 250 pounds, you know, over, you know, um, over like 130 kilos, yeah, then... Yeah, the, the density of the material you'd use, with the, and they may have exactly the same foot type as some skinny dude mm-hmm. who's you know, 120 pounds soaking wet. They may have the same foot problem. They might even have the same size foot, but the weight coming down is completely different. So therefore, you have to change the density of the material to make sure it's going to do what it needs to do. But you know, like making an orthotic up and putting it in someone's shoe, it, to me, that was always one part of the treatment. You, you, you right. had to look at other things. You had to look at their lifestyle, their footwear. Uh, and that's how we ended up opening up a shoe, sh- shoe shop, was we ended up opening up the shoe store so we could bring in the shoes that we thought were best for different people's foot types. That's how that sort of uh, uh, came about. So, But there's things like, yeah, if someone was overweight, is you know, talk to them about what they're eating and talk to them about exercise and get them to see a dietitian. And looking at their overall health, that making an insert was just one part of like a bigger yeah, like a like a puzzle. You had to put everything together. The orthotic was just one part of it. Were you a guy that did a lot of surgeries and nail clippings, or what was your forte? Uh, just making orthotics. <laughs> that was my thing. That was <laughs> oh really? Like, most people, yeah. For my my work day to day, like where my clinic was before I sold it, probably ninety five percent of my day was basically seeing biomechanical patients. Um, yeah, weekend warriors, sports people. Having them come in, going through their problems, going through stretches, looking at the the whole picture of what they're doing, looking at their footwear, and then making the inserts to go into the shoes. That was probably ninety eight percent of what I was doing each day. And the other two is that unusual for your profession? Uh, no, no, that's just what I did. It was uh, oh, there are people who yeah, that's their clinic will be set up as a sports clinic. Mm-hmm. The whole clinic in general saw everything from you know clipping some ladies' toenails to doing nail surgery to you know burning out warts you know it was a it was a clinic that covered everything but the work that i did i blocked out this is all i want to do and i was the boss okay so okay so you had other people inside it yeah yeah so i got to choose what i want and i did everything over the years but then the last 10 years of me me working i went no i just want to focus on this one area this is what i like doing the most this is what i'm going to work on and yeah and that's what i basically did so i think every business if you have a look at, you know, if you write down all the things you really like doing in your business and all the things you don't like doing, then over a period of time, you should slowly stop doing the things you don't like doing and only do the things you like doing and then build your business around that. That's important. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to do everything until you could financially afford somebody else? Or did you kind of look at it as, I am going to strangle myself if I don't put somebody in here, they'll make their own money and I can do what I need to do? Because like logistically, sometimes you have to look at that as well. Yeah. No, number one thing I think every business needs to do, and I've seen a few people who don't do it, is from day to you must have a receptionist. You, you, you need to have somebody who's going to answer the phone while you can work. You need someone to be yeah. looking after the practice. While you're out and about talking to people, you, you can't. Yeah, I've seen uh, a lot of people. I've seen chiropractors where they'll set up a clinic. Oh, I'll just answer my own phone until I get busy. 
You're not going to get busy if you keep answering your own phone. Well, you got to what? You're treating me and I got to go answer the phone? Oh, come on, man. Yeah. This happened twice in my one visit. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to work. I know. Like, and fair enough. It's different if you have a receptionist and all of a sudden you're, with, you're full of patients and all of a sudden they've had to go home because they're sick or something's happened to their child. Patients will understand that. That's completely different. Yeah, though. that's completely <laughs> different. And the thing is, even then, that's a one day. even then, I'd put the answering machine on and I just wouldn't answer it. Because to me, your focus should be on the person that's in front of you, not trying to do uh, multiple things. So, but yeah, I was also uh, going back three years into my working career or two years in my working career. I got, I had a problem with my hands and I couldn't work for two years. So I, I learned that if I wanted to set up another practice, I had to employ someone as fast as possible to do majority of the heavy lifting and let me just do what I liked to do because I didn't know if my hands were going to keep packing it in. So I used to get this really bad dermatitis where all the skin in my hands would just get completely ripped off. And, oh, okay. and I'd cover them with gloves, but they were just cracked and bleeding so that I could be working on a Monday and by Friday I couldn't work for two weeks. So wow. this went off and on uh, my whole working career. So except for the last two years, it is, they've been really good. <laughs> Has it been like one of those where you wash your hands so much and your hands just don't react to being so clean and wet and dry all the time? Like oh, that? they couldn't put it down to any. There was no people kept telling me just the weirdest things, and uh, yeah, I, I saw so many doctors and dermatologists. Man, man. Nobody could really just give me a definitive answer on hey, if you do this, this will be better. And the, the only <laughs> the funniest story was this old guy in a shopping center one day. I'm there, my hands are all cracked up and they're really sore and swollen. This Old bloke sits next to me and goes, my brother had that. And I went, oh, here we go. going to get another another bit of advice from this guy. I'll pee on him. You know, I've been told everything. And, and he goes, yeah, 50 years he had it. Killed him in the end. And he got up and walked away. Oh. And I went, you miserable old bugger. And <laughs> <laughs> So you're telling me there's no chance. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm doomed. I'm going to have it for 50 years and it's going to kill me in the end. And, and my wife walked out. So who was that? And I went, oh, <laughs> I said, finally, someone, she, did he give you some advice? No, he didn't, actually. He says it's going to kill me. I'm going to catch E. coli in my hand and it's going to be over. Yeah, so it was one of those things that um, – but the last couple of years, when we were talking earlier on, I mentioned uh, Dr. Howard Cohen, who's a, who's a chiropractor, and he developed a stuff called uh, 7.2. So it's like greens and you know, some – it's about getting your body into alkalinity. Now, I've been right. using this for the last year and a half, year and a bit, and it's probably the best my hands have ever been. So, wow. yeah, I, I take the greens, I, I take these alkalinity tablets, I take this, you know, this other stuff. They have like a, a, a protein shake, so I have that once a day you know, after exercise and feeling fantastic, and it's probably the best my skin and everything has actually been. So, yeah, is it the answer? Does it mean I'll never get this problem back? Yeah, don't know. Probably not. Yeah. It'll probably come it, back. It, it, it may, but... You finally found some dietary thing that can actually help it. That's important. That, that's the thing. It's, and to me, it's, it's one of those things you, you, can't, you can't give up. You're just going to keep trying. And It's all these gluten-free people. <laughs> you're not gluten-free. You just feel like you feel better, but like you're not actually gluten intolerant. Like It's a big difference. There's something I was um, reading. Have you seen that guy? Oh, I can't remember his name. He's got a book called Own the Day. Let's say I do. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me more. Oh, anyway, he's just talking about where there's so many people who say, oh, I'm allergic to this or I'm intolerant to that. And he goes, how do you know this? And they go, oh, they did a skin test. 
And he goes, yeah, and doing a skin test is completely different to how your gut reacts to certain things. Yep. So your skin test might say, oh, yeah, you're allergic to this, but really you're not. It's just your skin is. Now, if you're going to get something and rub it all over your skin, you might have a reaction, but that's not where it's supposed to be going. So, But he was just talking about how we make all these different assumptions about our health based on information that's not really accurate. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. I think we got off track there. Well, yeah, we're real quick on that one. I think there's something to this gut biome. I, I don't, I haven't studied much about it, but I, I, every now and then it pops up on like my news feed. So I like, I read a little article here and all this. And there just seems to be some some promising ideas and theories about like what's inside you, how you tolerate like sugar, you know, sensitivities. And like you said, if you alkaline your body, now your hands are feeling better. Yeah. Well, that's that's healing from the inside out. You know? Well, yeah. And because I was saying that, yeah, that alkalinity, your, your body should have a certain alkalinity. And if we get too acidic, then things just bugger up. And and that yeah. could be that could be my my thing that it's my hands that play up. And there's dermatitis flares up when I'm too acidic. So yeah, it's I I think there's a there's a lot to it. Um, and like I say that yeah, there was someone I was oh, reading something recently, or someone was on the podcast talking, and they said yeah, sometimes when you make decisions and you and you go, oh, I have a gut feeling. They said sometimes you got to listen to your gut mm-hmm. because it, it make it, your your body reacts in certain ways based on experiences. And it, it said it was something about. If you're thinking about employing someone, never listen to your gut because <laughs> it's usually wrong. <laughs> yeah. Use your head. But if you need to let somebody go, listen to your gut. Yeah, that's a that's a good piece of advice right there. Yeah, if they go, oh, I have a gut feeling this person will be really good. No, your gut's probably wrong. But if you go, oh, I've got a gut feeling I've got to let this person go, your gut's probably right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to get bamboozled by your gut. Yeah. Then, yeah, exactly. What are you finding – Getting back to uh, podiatry for a second. Uh, (laughs) There's lots of things that we could potentially struggle with or the the public perception of our profession is kind of, you know, can be kind of weirder. Are there any sort of misconceptions that you've experienced throughout your career that you just would want to clear up today? About podiatry in general? Yeah. Yeah, I I think one of the misconceptions is that a lot of podiatrists just make orthotics. Yeah, they just, you know, people come in, oh, podiatrists just want to throw in your orthotics so they can make money. And, And actually, unfortunately, there probably is a small proportion of the profession that probably does do that. Yeah, they over prescribe them. Yeah, not everything needs to be fixed by, not everything can be fixed by putting an insert in someone's shoe. And and I think the biggest problem is there's a breakdown in communication maybe between the podiatrist, the patient, the podiatrist and whoever referred them on why they were actually making the orthotic. So I think that's one big misconception that every podiatrist just wants to put somebody into orthotic so they can make money. Small proportion do, but I, I don't think the majority of the profession actually thinks that way. And yeah, I, I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, we've misunderstood funny, funny people. And a lot of podiatrists are weird. So... Which makes it quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the solem- similarities continue. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you had to have hired people, like you've had uh, other doctors underneath you and, you know, staff and things. Or What are you looking for in a good staff person? Is it all on the hire? Is it on the training? What's your thoughts? Okay. Um, I, I could... Take, I can teach anyone to be a better podiatrist. I teach anyone to be a better receptionist. You know, I had, I used to have a 20 day training program that my goal was I could take a new graduate, have them go through my 20 day training program, and I could have them as efficient as somebody that's been working for me for five years. That was my goal. And hmm. did it every single time except for one guy. Just <laughs> one guy couldn't, just couldn't, <laughs> I had to let him go. Anyway, um, 
So I knew, always knew I could train them to be better at whatever it is that they did because I had a good training process in, in place. What I couldn't teach is attitude and I can't teach energy. So mm-hmm. I would rather have somebody come in who was a podiatrist who'd sit down and go, oh, yeah, I've just graduated and they're just – Oh, I'm so looking forward to you know, getting into my career. This is something I've always wanted to do. And you go, okay, so you might go for a walk across the shops with them. And they're walking with you and they're talking the whole time and they're excited. And I would much rather that than some guy sitting there and go, uh, yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I got the highest, I was in the top 1% of my class and I'm an absolute genius. And, and you're trying to, and then you get up to walk and they're following behind you and they're just lagging behind as you're walking. And there's no energy. There's no enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, I heard it. I saw a guy. Oh, I can't remember his name. He was the gymnast. And he was talking at a conference. And he, he had a pommel horse up on the stage. He won the gold medal at the um, LA Olympics. And he said, I'm going to do the routine that won me the gold medal. So he got up there, did all those things. Boom. But came down. He said, now, that was a perfect routine, absolutely perfect. Now, if I did that at the Olympics, I would have got a 9.9 for a perfect routine. He said, because that's all a perfect routine is going to give you. He said, now I'm going to do that same routine, but with virtuosity. So he got up there, did the same routine, but he just you know, snapped the legs out, snapped the arms, yeah, just did things that little bit quicker, and then bang, you know, dismounted. And he said, that is a 10 routine. He said, and that is something you can't teach people. You either want to give it everything. Yeah, you can just go through the motions. Yeah. It's, it's not just going through the motions. It's going through the motions with, in, with, with purpose, with virtuosity, with some form of intention. And when I'm looking to employ, employ someone, regardless of the position, that's what I'm looking for in them because I can teach the rest. I can teach them all the other stuff, but I can't, I, I can't give them that, that – that I don't know, it's like that, like an inner light, right? I can tell you about that in my clinic. Here is some days, or you know, after a while, it's like, oh, you just see it in yourself. You're like, man, you're just going through the motions. You really don't care. And so I'm like, all right, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I haven't. I can make my own schedule. So I was like, oh, I haven't taken off in a while. I was like, let me let me take off, take a day or two off, and I'm like, recharge. I'm re-energized, and I'm back to actually caring about what I'm doing. And it's just like I can see even in my own self, like what you're talking about is. You just got to, you know, if you have it and you lose it, you got to get it. But if you never had it to begin with, yeah, some people it's going to be a tough one. You got to yeah. figure it some out. Some people just don't have it. When, when I mentioned that one person, and the other part too I used to look for when I was employing someone is what type of employment had they had in the past before they come, they wanted to be a podiatrist? Mm. And if they'd worked for, you know, companies like the Athlete's Foot, yeah, something where they were dealing with cu- yeah, customers on a day-to-day basis. They were they were learning communication skills. You, know, you can't hold a sales job if you don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. So if I knew if they could do that there, then they were going to be fine talking with patients. It was one less thing I had to, talk, yeah, I had to teach them. Mm-hmm. The guy who was no good was a guy whose job going through university was cleaning up the cinemas after uh, <laughs> it was empty. Yeah. So his job really involved, I don't want to talk to people. I'm, I'm fine to work, but I really don't want to communicate. And that's where he, when he was dealing with patients, his communication skills was terrible and it's reflected in his work, which is why we eventually parted company. It's a hard lesson to learn right there. Yeah. And the thing is you learn it, you learn it by doing. It's, it's like any, you learn by doing. You know what's great? I think our kids can benefit from this because my parents, they didn't realize this part of life. 
I could have had that job in a chiropractor's office or maybe in a gym or something to get around more rehab and those types of things when I was in high school instead of just working at the grocery store, you know? Oh, yeah. But we can encourage our children like, hey, what is it? What do you want to do? Yeah, maybe you should go get a job that's kind of similar to what that is on a lesser scale. And if you like it, now you'll know you'll probably like it as being a doctor as well. Yeah. You know what my part-time jobs were all the way through university was I, I killed cattle, pigs, and chickens. I worked at the abattoirs. Kill, well, that killing, helps with your scalping skills. <laughs> it helps with not having a not having a weak stomach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as yeah, I never even thought about wow a job in a shoe store. Right. What? <laughs> like I'm going to be a podiatrist. Wow. Imagine getting a job in a shoe store. Who would think? Mm-hmm. I I didn't. I never even my, my brain didn't sort of go that far and. and no one ever said to me, maybe you should get a job in a shoe shop. It was, um, yeah, uh, to me, I don't know why I didn't do it. That's a nugget I think someone can pull from this episode right there. Yeah, they can stop listening now, but don't keep going yes, to the end. please, because the next, <laughs> the next question is going to be, are you ready? Yep. We got new patient problems. We got retaining patient problems. And we've yep. got potentially... Uh, I had a buddy, he told me he, once he, once he was able to figure out how to bill correctly, it almost doubled, not, not illegally, not unethically. He just didn't realize he wasn't actually charging for all the things that he could have charged for. So do you have like a, like one nugget for like how to get more new patients, maybe how to retain them. And, uh, and if you want to cover anything about like, uh, charges that maybe we're not realizing that we could charge for, or like services that you're not offering that you could offer and could be a really big benefit for, uh, the client, any nuggets for us? Yeah, I think um, like getting new patients is is a it's a big you know you can do a whole episode just on getting new patients or twenty. So I, I think the biggest thing before you even think about getting new patients is sitting down and working out first who is your patient avatar. Mm. Yeah, what is who is your ideal patient, and when you know that, then you can go and find them. But what people do is they go, oh no, I treat everybody. No, you don't. You might treat. Yeah, you might. Every person that walks through you, you might treat them, but that's not who you really want. Who do you really want? We'll get you excited. And yeah, really narrow it down. Like I knew my ideal patient was was a forty two year old male who you know, used to be fairly active in sport, but now had sort of put on a bit of weight, lost his fitness, got a couple of kids, you know, who are like eight to twelve. He's trying to keep up with them, and he's realised, yeah, you know, well, I'm not as fit as I used to be, and now my feet are starting to hurt. And, and the dog's getting fat because now I can't walk the dog and everything is just spiraling out of control. So when I was treating him, that, that was my ideal patient. Now I go, now where do I find him? Mm. He doesn't make the decisions in the house. His wife makes the decisions there. She gets sick of hearing him whinge. So then she will make the appointment for him. So this is what I mean about really trying to find <laughs> where your ideal patients are. It's a great answer. When you know who the ideal patient is, then you go, okay, now where do they hang out? And if you've already had a business going for a while, send it, do a, a five-question a five question survey, send it out to your existing patients that fit in the category of your ideal patient. Send the survey out to them, get the answers back, use those answers to tell you where you're going to find the rest of them. So That's you, the easiest way. You might ask questions like, what is a hobby that you do or what after-school activities do you, yeah. you know, do whatever you, sports. Yeah. Do you go to the movies? Do you are you a member of the local any local sporting clubs? You might find they go to golf. They might play squash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what local magazines do you read? Do you wrestle Gators? Yeah, do you, yeah, do you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, do you read the 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 weekly newspaper or the daily newspaper? Do you get the free one or do you, or the paid one? So just these random questions. Yeah, what car do you drive? Hmm. Because if all of a sudden you realise, oh, all my perfect patients, they all drive. 
Toyota Land Cruisers. Yeah. Then go and find the Toyota dealer and say, hey, can can I um, advertise in your newsletter? Because you know that, you know, say if 60% of all your ideal clients all drive Toyota Land Cruisers and they get that newsletter, you want them to see you there. That's a great idea. That, that's the idea of, and then, oh, can I just tell you, if you've got time about doing the survey the right way, send a paper survey. Do not send it by email. Mm. Get a paper survey, print it out with a cover letter that says, hey, yeah, we'd wonder if you could help us with uh, yeah filling this questionnaire. Enclosed is a self-addressed envelope with a stamp on it already, so they don't have to worry about getting a stamp. Inside the survey, put a two-dollar scratchy, you know, one of those little lotto tickets, right? And just say, look, enclosed for your time. Here's a two-dollar scratchy. Just let you know, if you happen to win $10,000, please feel free to come back and spend it with us. Um, or, 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 or if you want, you can give us half. Whatever, whatever makes you feel best. Yeah. Make a bit of a joke about it. We would send out these surveys and we would get 95% of them back. That's unheard of. Unheard of to get 95% of your survey back. But if you do it the right way, put a cover letter you're rewarding them for doing the survey, not, oh, you're going to the drawer and win a $100 hamper. I hate those. Yeah. I'm thinking, just give me a tool or scratch and keep your hamper. And so they're all the, yeah, you send that out, you'll get information back about the patients that you already love, and then that'll tell you where, where the rest of them are. That's a really good, and on Facebook, there's enough podiatry groups and physio groups and dentist groups. You can be like, hey, what, what's some of the questions that I should, these are the questions I was thinking about having. What do y'all think about these? Or what do y'all, what would y'all ask? That way you can kind of get like a conglomerate, you don't waste all that money. Because at that point, you're looking at a semi-expensive survey if you do it right, like you said. So just get yeah, the right and questions. Like you, you pick 50 people and it might cost you $150 to, to do this survey thing because you get your dollar scratchy, you know, dollar stamp by the time you put it all together. So, but it's it's cheap. It's a cheap marketing uh, experiment to get really valuable information coming back. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's how we get new patients. What was the second part of that? Uh, re- <laughs> retaining <laughs> patients. You know, a lot of people focus on that revolving new patient door, and they just yeah. they always fly out the back window. So, how do we retain them? Is you, you got to maintain contact with them. Like I, I believe in you know, having an electronic newsletter, uh, and even though some people go, oh, no, no, no one opens them anymore. Well, about. Yeah, 20% still do when we were sending ours. If you're going to do the electronic newsletter, make it, you know, about 30% about your business and the other 70% about things that have got absolutely nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah, we used to have a uh, – we used to do a, a monthly rum review um, and we would have – you know, I used to have a friend that had a rum website called The Rum Wench and she would write the review for us each month and we'd pick a bottle of rum and it was surprising how many patients came in and said, oh, I got my, my husband the bottle of rum for Father's Day or for his birthday. Absolutely loved it. It was a good recommendation. The receptionist would write uh, a recipe, yeah, every month. We would just add other things in there to make the newsletter interesting. But even if only 20% of people open it, 100%, unless they, if they don't unsubscribe, mm-hmm. if it's still going into their inbox every month in that subject line, they're saying, yeah, such and such podiatry or such and such chiropractic, it's still a reminder that you're basically there. I love your idea there because you're mixing it up so they could actually read it and enjoy it. Like, oh, yeah, the, the recipe was good. Oh, the room was good. That's really outside the box thinking. And if you put your email signature correctly, it should say Dr. Franklin, DPT, or whatever, you know, the, the name of the clinic. So whenever yeah. they see it, they may not read it, but they're like, oh, yeah, podiatry, oh, yeah, podiatry. I, I never read these things. I should unsubscribe one day. Eh, but you don't. So you're but you don't. Them. Yeah. Because <laughs> you you're suffering from FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, what if I do unsubscribe? Oh, what if they actually put something in it that's interesting one day? You might have a 50% discount one day. Yeah, but I had a um, 
there's a newsletter that comes in my inbox constantly, every month, without fail, from this company. It's a barbecue company called Barbecues Galore. And it comes in every month. I delete, 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 delete. But then every now and then, I just happen to have some spare time. And I click open. And I read through it and go, oh, never thought about that. I might come in and get that next time I'm cooking chickens on the barbecue. Mm -hmm. So you never know when someone's going to open it. So, And to me, it's it's really – it's a fun thing to put together with your team. It's cheap to implement, and it's a great way of staying in contact. So to me, the biggest thing about retaining customers is letting them know that you're still there and letting them know that you care. That's that's the main thing. Following up patients who have come in, had treatment, and maybe they had to cancel for whatever reason and they disappear – Mm-hmm. It's it's having having a warning thing there that tells you, hey, this person hasn't been in for two months. Give them a call and find out everything's okay. Now they may have moved away, so you can archive the file, or they might go, oh yeah, like I wasn't really happy the last time I was in because that last podiatrist that I saw was rude to me. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, well it's good. He was rude to everybody. He's not here anymore. Oh good, I'll come back then. Now, unless you made that call, you're never going to know. And your software should be able to run that easily. Yeah, yeah. Your software can tell you straight away when people have been in, especially when there's there's been people that have yeah, been patients for years and they come in month after month after month after month and then they just stop. And you go, why? Why did they, why did they stop? So to me, sometimes people, they focus too much on getting new patients coming in instead of plugging the leaks in the bucket. And, yeah, it's always this way. If you have, yeah, a 1,000 patients on your database and next year you get 400 new patients come in, you should have 1,400 active patients on your database. But most people will mm-hmm. have 1,100 because yeah. 300 of just, you know, the new patients come in, never coming back. There's so many leaks in the bucket. Um, some of them, it's that rusty. You can't fix it. You need a whole new bucket. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a lot of work to do. You need to go spend some money on some coaches and figure this thing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to spend a little bit of time. I know we are, for those who didn't know, I was on his podcast. It's no secret. Check it out. We're not sure when it's going to be out yet, but it was good. We talked about Mardi Gras. We talked about China and everything. So we're doing the reverse right now. And (laughs) I want to know what's going on with It's No Secret. There's Money in Podiatry. You wrote a book about it. You got a podcast. Then you started what I think is great, a uh, podiatry niche podcast. And we kind of talked off the air where sometimes we wonder, maybe we should have just niched down to begin with because our downloads would be faster, potentially have more sponsors and get more of a a name for ourselves. But then at the same time, uh, spoiler, his podcast is kind of about management and, you know, all these little other avenues that aren't just podiatry and interviews lots of different kinds of people. So uh, to not take any more thunder, give us a little spiel about what's going on, what's the passion for that and, and why somebody should tune in. Okay, well, the first book I wrote was It's No Secret, There's Money in Podiatry. And because I was a podiatrist, it was the most logical book to write. Right. So many people read it and went, wow, if you took the word podiatry out and just put it in another profession, that book would apply. And I used to agree and say, yeah, you're right, until I sat down and I decided to rewrite the book. And then I realized, wow, this is really a podiatry book. <laughs> so then I, I, I did rewrite the book and it did one, It's No Secret, There's Money in Small Business. Now, what it was, it was – in the podiatry world, people kept looking at me that I was a business person, not a podiatrist, and that used to annoy me. Oh. And then in the business world, people used to look at me that I was a podiatrist, not a business person, and that used to annoy me. So <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it? So when I wrote the first book, I went, well, everyone in the business world still looks at me that I'm a podiatrist. So I decided to write the second book so people in the business world would take me serious. Mm-hmm. And and it is, a, it is a really – I always say it's the second best business book I've ever read, only because I've never read one better. <laughs> um 
Well, no, only because I reckon there's, there has to be a better one out there. I just haven't found it yet. Right. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but the, the thing with it was, so my podcast, It's No Secret Dr. T, came about because of the play on those two books. And it was the same thing. I went, no, I want to be taken serious as a business person. I'm not just a podiatrist. So all my focus went into, I'm going to get all these different people, different business people around the world. We're going to talk about business and marketing and management. And I absolutely love the podcast. It is is a lot of fun. It's open doors. I've had people from the Shark Tank on. It's you know, I've had some you know big podcasting names. It, it's been fun, and I've learned so much doing it. And people that I know that tune into it on a weekly basis, I know really enjoy the show and really enjoy the guests. Yeah, it is good. But there's no money in it, right? <laughs> it's it's hard to find so, someone to sponsor that. Yeah. So, and what I mean, like, I love it. It, it is so much fun, and it has it's, it's given me a lot of exposure. And it's through that that I ended up getting a coaching gig with a with a um, a dental company, and I make yeah, and I'm now paid as a coach uh, with this dental company. So, if it wasn't through podcasting, I probably wouldn't have that gig. So, to say there's no money in podcasting, well, depends on which way you look at it. Mm-hmm. But what I realized too, when I looked at my books, the second book is a better book than the first book. My podiatry book outsells the business book five to one. Yeah. And I went, hmm, shouldn't that be telling me something that even though my business book, it's no secret, there's money in small business, there's another plug, is a better book than my podiatry book. The podiatry book sells more because it's got the word podiatry in it. So I went, okay, I'm going to set up, I'm going to start another podcast, podiatry host, podiatry guest talking about podiatry. I'm only up to episode uh, yeah, 11, 12 or something at the moment, and it is doing far better than It's No Secret with Dr. T. But It's No Secret with Dr. T is a better podcast overall than the Podiatry Legends podcast. But it goes to show that there's riches and niches, niche down and get known for one particular thing. And that relates back – and what, why I kick myself on the bum about all this is what did I do with my podiatry clinic? I focused in one area. I spent 98% of my time doing orthotics. Mm-hmm. And that's where I made all my money in podiatry was being really good at one thing. And I, and my patients knew that I, I, they knew when they came in I could help them because that's all my focus was on was doing that one thing. And I did it really well. So then I go into podcasting, and what do I do? I want to go really broad. <laughs> so now that I've niched it back down to just you know, the Podiatry Legends podcast, still a great podcast, and the guests I have on share some amazing stories, and I love talking to them. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's what I've learned through this process. So I know I've got another couple of books in me um, that I'm, I'm in the process of writing at the moment, mm. and – yeah, so hopefully by the end of this year, there will be two more books coming out. Um, just not sure of the titles yet. Well, I'll tell you this. When I was looking at doing this podcast, I was just listening to a bunch of chiropractor podcasts. And I was like, man, there's so much you can learn from other people, other professions. So that's why I went out. And because there was so much competition with just chiropractic. But then when you look at books, same way. If I'm on Amazon and I'm like, all right, let me find something about business growth. If there's one with chiropractic in it, I'm like, oh, it, it really strikes a chord with me. I'm like, all right, good. They'll actually know the jargon. They'll know the struggles that are unique to me. Yeah. And the same with podiatry. So it just makes sense that it's a niche. But, you know, you learn. And like you said, you've gotten experience. You've gotten good at it. It may not be as good if you would have just started with a podiatry. Like you might have. I think 
yeah, I think by writing, uh, you know, like writing the second book is going to make my third book better. Even yeah. though I'm going, I'm heading back in towards podiatry and I'm actually doing like a side one on podcasting. Oh. And, but by writing that second book, it made me a better writer, which I know will then make my third book better. Yeah. Doing the first podcast, This No Secret with Dr. T, broadened my mind talking to so many other people. All that knowledge that I've learned from them is also going to be in my third book that I wouldn't have got if I had have just said, just spoke to podiatrists. Ding, ding, ding. So to me, it, it, like I said, to go back, yeah, there's no money in podcasting, so they say, but the knowledge you learn, depending on what you do with that knowledge, it's no secret Dr. T could be worth millions of dollars to me in the future if I apply what I've learned from it to the rest of my life. Exactly. I love it. We're going to switch gears before you go. Yep. We've got... I'm ready for it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're married. you got kids. I do. How in the world do you keep a work-life balance and keep everybody happy in the family too? Oh, they're not happy. No, I'm Easier. That's easy. <laughs> it's easier. Don't try and make them happy. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's. Uh, if you ask my wife, she'd probably go, "Oh, yeah." Then we're waiting for that to happen. <laughs> but seriously, this year I've probably gotten the best at it, where I've realised, yeah, it's not all about me. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I, I, you do have to you know, lift your yeah. You, know, you do have to participate in what the family's doing. You can't keep saying, "Oh, yeah, look, I'm busy at work. I can't help." So, beginning, especially beginning this year, we sat down, and my daughter dances every night of the week for a couple of hours, two mornings at six a.m. Yeah, I do kickboxing. I go to the gym. My wife, uh, yeah, she does running, and she goes to the gym as well. So, at the beginning of this year, we sat down. And we looked at everything we're all doing and going, okay, who's prepared to give up what? So mm. it was all about a little bit of negotiation here and there and, and just fit things in. So to me, that I think to really make your relationship work and the balance between work and uh, your, your family life is everybody's got to be prepared to give a little somewhere. That's a great answer. And if, and if everyone's prepared just to give a little – things work a little bit better. Well, it has for me anyway. No, that's a great answer. Yeah. When, when I was trying to just do everything where, no, no, it's all about me. Yeah, I'm the breadwinner. Look, I bang my chest. I'm, I'm a caveman. I'm going to go out there and club something on the head. We were sort of constantly, not, not arguing about it, but we always seem to be on the different page to each other. But once I realized, you know what, if I give a little, geez, my wife gives a little too. Oh, my daughter gives a little as well. Yeah, needs weren't being met. Yeah, when we're all prepared to just give a little of ourselves, then... Um, yeah, we, we can we can actually get it all done. So this year, 2019, has probably been the best year of just actually having the balance the right way. That's awesome. And you're still young, so you got plenty more years to keep building on this one. Yeah, 52. Yeah. yeah. You got a while. You got a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I want to be here for at least another 50 would be would be pretty good. Yeah. As long as I've still got the energy that I've got now. But the other thing, too, it's before I say yes to something, when somebody asks me a question, instead of normally I go, yeah, and then I go, okay, my wife and daughter just have to fit around this thing because I'm exceptional. <laughs> I'd go, okay, that, thank you for asking me. I just need to just double-check a couple of things first before I say yes. And then I go and have a look again. We've got a big calendar that we put up on the wall. We all put our commitments up there. Mm. And I go and have a look at the calendar. And if the calendar's free on a particular day where it doesn't say that, yeah, there's anything major going on, then I can quite comfortably say, yeah, that won't be a problem. But if there's something already booked in, my wife's got something on or my daughter's got something on, I just, I just turn and go, no, sorry, I can't do it. So I don't expect them to just give up everything because of me. Unless it was something, yeah, you've got, 
like if I was, um, yeah, if Richard Branson rang me up and said, Tyson, I need you to come to Necker Island for a week. Sorry, family. Uh, I would listen to you on a podcast, then I want you to come for the week. And uh, yeah, is that a problem? I would just say yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say to my wife, oh, I don't know if this is going to annoy you or not, but Richard Branson needs me for a week. She'd go, tell me all about it when you get back. That's right. Well, one thing you mentioned behind the scenes is you do speaking gigs, you might do workshops, and, and you're setting yourself up to be able to uh, create more workshops for yourself and, and teach others. Yeah. And the, the hidden part was doing it when your kids are off school in places that you actually want to visit anyway. Yeah, I, I think it's the, the, the way... <laughs> Like you work hard for a certain period of time and you've got, you've got mortgages you've got to pay uh, and, and cars and school fees. But once you're, but you start getting your life together, to me, it's all about creating a, the lifestyle that you actually want. Yeah. Did I want to be working in a podiatry clinic Monday to Friday until I was 65 and retired? No, not really. Mm-mm. So I started making changes and learning more about speaking and getting into writing and, and running a couple of workshops so that, down the track when my daughter finishes school, I, I want to have a business that I can take anywhere. doesn't matter where I go. I could be living in Hawaii. It could be um, <laughs> with a grass skirt and coconuts. And, <laughs> yeah, or you could be living in Vancouver or I could be living in another part of Australia and my business just travels with me. It's just the time zones you've got to be aware of. Yeah, that's an ideal situation. Yeah, and then in the meantime, between now and then, it's like, okay – where do we want to travel? Oh, let's go to Melbourne, you know, uh, for the September, October school holidays. Okay, well, I'm going to run a workshop on, yeah, how to use the six pillars of marketing in Melbourne. And, yeah, I did one in Perth a couple of weeks ago. It was the same thing. I was going to Perth anyway. I thought, well, if I'm going all the way over there to catch up with somebody, I might run a workshop and, and pay for the trip. And that's exactly what I did. Just a long Saturday, that's all. All it was, it was Saturday afternoon, four hours on a Saturday afternoon, and and that paid paid my airfare, accommodation, took care of everything. That's the benefit of, like even with yourself, yeah, living overseas, and yeah, can you turn that into educating other people on what it's like to live overseas? I'm thinking about, yeah, somebody says, oh, I'm, I've thought about going to China. Well, start running some workshops on how you get to work in China. It's every how to be a good tourist in China, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think there's so many people in so many professions that have all got an interest in something, find that interest, just do it, start learning a little bit more about it than everybody else and then start speaking about it. And that, and that's if that's what you want to do. You might go, oh, no, I don't want to speak. You know, I'd, I hate the idea of speaking. Well, then don't do it. Right. <laughs> just, yeah, I'm not saying you have to do it, but, yeah, I, I, was, I used to be petrified. I didn't do my first – I got through primary school, high school, and university without ever getting up and doing a public presentation. That's unheard of. So, my goodness. I know. Wow. I know. I just – I managed to just sneak through, be sick, not be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember one lecturer I went up and I said, what's the oral presentation worth? She said 40%. I said, put me down for a zero. I'm not turning up. And I'll get 50 out of 60 for the exam. And and that's exactly what I did. So I think I was 26 the first time I got up and uttered a word in front of other people. Mm. And it was so, and it was terrible. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> whole new st- oh, that's a whole different story again. See, and that's what I like. If people listen to the podcast, I really hope sometimes they, even if they skip some areas, if they listen near the end, because what you said is like being a couple steps ahead of somebody else. That's a nugget that if you didn't listen to it, you wouldn't hear that. And that could be one of those things that you pull away from the episode and you're like, yeah, 
that's the catalyst for me to go and do something. Like even in your community as a doctor, you know more than your patients. You don't think you do sometimes. You're like, I'm not special. Yeah, you know more than they do. So how can you leverage that for like a little a workshop at the local library or at your own clinic to try to educate and get some more patients? You know, it's just getting out there. And like, I know some people do not like public speaking. Some people don't like getting up in front of people. And and like I said, I lived with that fear for the first 26 years of my life. And I just went, I heard so many people say, if you can get over that fear, it will open so many doors for you. And that what really made me do it was I thought, I got asked to do this talk for Sports Medicine Australia. And I, and I don't know why I said yes. Even this day, I still don't know why I said yes to it. And I managed to turn a 45-minute talk into about four and a half minutes of mumbling oh. and, and almost crying. And... <laughs> And the doctor invited me and said, please promise me you will never, ever do any public speaking for the rest of your life. Right. Okay. Well, it could, 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 could have been worse. So it was um, – but what I realized, if I didn't do that talk, if I said no on that day, they were going to offer it to my opposition. And that's what you got to realize is if there's speaking opportunities, there's, there's things where you can go out there and run a little workshop or talk to a runner's club. And when any speaking gig now, I just say yes to once I check with – it's on the calendar and I can do it. But because I know if I don't do it, they're going to offer it to the offer it to my opposition. Yeah, somebody's going to do it. Someone's going to do it. So yeah, I'll go. I'll speak in front of a, a, you know, a running group, you know, thirty, forty people, and just talk about foot problems, footwear, certain things to look out for, how to avoid injuries. I'm not talking about anything I don't know, and I know I know it better than everyone that's in the crowd. And I think if people can understand that, regardless of what it is you do, if you do something on a day to day basis, you know it better than anybody else. Yeah. Now get out there and tell people what you know. Yeah. Practice. And and a good way of getting better at speaking is be a guest on podcasts. That's good. That's a good one too, because then you gotta get yourself out there as to email people. And that's hard to do sometimes yeah. too, because like it's different, but you still gotta put yourself out there. So if you can create that little hurdle, get over that, and then get invited, you're like, Whoa, they said yes. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that I used to speak on the radio every Saturday for about five years and and it was uh the segment was called Let's Talk Feet. Uh, sounded better when they used to have the background music. Anyway, I remember the first time I got on there, and I've got the the, the hosters there, and he's asking me his questions, and I was like, <sighs> I'm tr I'm trying to get the words out, and I'm I'm talking fast, I'm sweating, and then we went to a commercial break. He goes, just relax. He says, I'm just I'm I'm just asking you really really simple questions. Anyway, it took about three or four times. Five years later, I'm rocking in there. I'm almost pushing the buttons myself. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, everything is hard until it gets easy. And public speaking and putting yourself out there is no different. And do I still get nervous when I do public speaking? Yep. Was I a little bit anxious before I got on this podcast? Yep. And I think it just it, all it does is show you that you care. Yeah. Because you want to do the best job you can. Agreed. And speaking of, how can people get in contact with you? What's your websites and all that? Probably the easiest way to find me is – is through my website, uh, tysonfranklin.com, spelt no special spelling to it, just tysonfranklin.com. And if you're looking for me on any sort of social media, uh, well, Facebook is probably the main place I hang out, which is just Tyson E. Franklin. But, um, yeah, I usually just direct people to the website that way. From there, they can see everything else that I'm doing, and that's where the, where the podcasts are as well. Very good. Well, I enjoyed our hour together today. And I'm like I said, I know the guests are going to get some good information out of this. All your information will be in the show notes page with some spoilers. And uh, we'll just have to reconnect later on in the future. That sounds damn good. And if I'm in China, I'm looking you up. Please do. I need some more visitors. <laughs> <laughs> I shall do that. 
that wraps up another episode. If you can, send me a review. That's .net slash subscribe. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Android devices. You just click that button. It'll take you exactly to the page you need to. You can write a review, hopefully a five-star review. Like I said, it does help for other people to discover what we're doing here. And one thing I haven't really talked about too much is the doctorsperspective.net slash support page. If you want to host a cup of coffee, go for it. If you want to pledge a little higher fee, there's buttons for that. There's even monthly recurring for those who feel like, wow, this is like the cheapest mentor coach program I've ever seen because you interview so many different kinds of doctors and, and I've been able to implement things that I've heard and it works. So monthly recurring payments, which also can get you my books for free, t-shirts for free. Uh, the first book, you know, that deals with health and exercise, getting on a diet, getting your financial health in order as well. Things of learn in China. You know, that book is available as well. And one thing that I don't have, I don't have like a, a full-blown page about coaching and things, but there's a little button there. I've had people request, hey, doctors and non-doctors asking me, can I do more than just answer a couple of questions? Or could you be my coach for a little while? And I say, yeah, we can do that. So it's something I haven't really advertised, but it's something that I can do and do, whether it's marketing, some strategies for new patients, growth, those types of topics. If you're interested, just email me, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. If you have any ideas for guests, please send me an email, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. I'd love to hear who you think would be good or a profession that you may not have heard yet. And we've got over 100 episodes. This is going to be like our third year. Super excited. We're going to have a little mini series like we've been doing, which has been fun. Hope you've enjoyed them as well. That's, that's the feedback I've gotten. I want to remind everybody that we have some great affiliate links available. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, we've got the Edge tool and we've got the Hawk Grips. Saves you about 10%. Also with the edge, you've got the uh, like blood pressure cuff restriction system. You've got the G Suite inexpensive EMR in case you'd like doing cash practice. And of course, I got my own electric acupuncture pin to go with the no needle acupuncture book. From time to time, you know, I'll have a bundle set where you can get them all together for a great price. I also have the free downloads at doctorsperspective.net slash blueprints. And what lately I've been doing is substituting a fifth one, like I've done a knee. And depending on the guest, I might do a different type. So check back there. You've got the Primal Paleo grass-fed protein, bone broth style. Save 10% on that. No sugar, allergy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those types of things. Mentor box, get taught by the author. We got set for set for those floss bands that you may have heard about on one of the episodes. I really like those. If you want to know what hosting I use for podcasting, it's Blueberry. Pure VPN, that's one of those ones I use to help keep my payments secure as well as access the internet more safely. Any Amazon products that you might want, click the link in the show notes pages. So all those resources can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash resources. There's also t-shirts at .net slash t-shirts. Put up some new designs from time to time, like making lemons out of lemonade, shrimp po' boy, plus all the chiropractic and podcast swag that you could want. As always, listen, critically think, and implement. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share it across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trostclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.